0: More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what can wash away our sins? Nothing but your blood. What can atone for our sins? Nothing but your blood. We could shed rivers of tears for a week straight for our sins and it could not atone for a single one of them. We thank you that your blood was shed for us. We thank you that you loved us and you gave yourself for us. And so on that basis, we draw near to you today because you love us and you gave yourself for us. And we want to have ears to hear what your word says this morning, what your spirit says through the scriptures this morning. So help us to have ears to hear, help us to be attentive, help us to receive from you today. Father, our Lord Jesus prayed, and I pray this as well, sanctify us in the truth, your word is truth, in Jesus' name, amen. So as we start a new year, I wanna ask you some questions. This year, do you want it to be a year of reviving and transformation, personally, and in your family, and in the church? Do you want this year to be a year in which you grow in wisdom and deepened joy? Do you want this to be a year in which you see things more clearly from God's perspective? Do you want this to be a year in which you walk more consistently on the right path, doing what pleases the Lord, no matter what difficulties lie ahead? If you answered yes to those questions, which I hope you all did, it's pretty... I think we can all agree those are good things and I want to challenge you to make this year a year that you build your life on God's word. Now you might say, I'm already doing that. Well then this is going to be a good reminder for you and maybe it's going to help bolster your commitment to that. But I want to challenge you to build your life on the word of God and not just build your life on your idea that the word is important, not just insist that God's word is valuable or important, but actually you build your life on God's word. It's the only sure foundation that is suitable for your spiritual life to be built upon is God's word. Remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 7. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he ends it by saying this, And the, the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of that house. The difference is hearing and either doing what it says or not doing what it says. So this morning what I want to do with, out of Psalm chapter 19 verses 7 to 10, is I want to pile reason upon reason upon reason Why, by the grace of God, you should build your life on the Word of God? I want to strip away all excuses that you may have as to why this may not be a worthwhile endeavor, as to why maybe you could spend your time doing something better. There's nothing you could do more valuable than this. This is a worthwhile endeavor. And so, here we go. Psalm 19, 7 to 10. I don't think there's a better place to go Psalm 19, verses 7 to 10, gives perhaps the most comprehensive summation of the sufficiency and the power of the Bible. There's so much in these four power-packed verses, and, you know, we could, spend, we could spend four weeks on this. I'm going to try to condense it in one message. So the Bears play at three o'clock, so we'll definitely be done by then, okay? I'm joking, all right. So I want to draw your attention out of, these, out of these verses to 10 reasons to build your life upon the word of God. So much more could be said. Each of these reasons could be a sermon in and of itself. But this morning, I'm just, we're just going to kind of do like a 10,000 10, elevation flyover, 10,000 foot elevation flyover. And I trust the spirit to take and apply it to you as needed. So 10 reasons why you should build your life on God's word. And I'm not talking to just adults, just people over the age of 16 or 18. I'm talking to the youngest in here who can understand what I'm saying, to the oldest in here, okay? Reason number one, the word of God is complete. Verse seven says the law of the Lord is perfect. There it is. The law of the Lord is perfect. Now, we often often think of perfection as that which is without error, without fault, without inconsistency, and so forth. And of course, the Bible is all of those things. It's without error, it's without fault, it's infallible. But the word perfect actually means something more than just without error. It actually means complete or whole or blameless or comprehensive, the word of God is comprehensive. The scriptures are complete. They're comprehensive for us. Now you might ask comprehensive for what? They're comprehensive or complete to know who God is, to know what he's like, to know who we are, to know what we need in order to be saved and to live a life that pleases the Lord. Now the Bible's not comprehensive in that it doesn't satisfy all of our curiosities, right? It doesn't it doesn't uh, contain everything that you may be curious about. In fact, I think that's one reason why we tend to be drawn toward those who claim to have revelations from God that are outside the Bible, right? They they satisfy something in us that's curious about secrets and mysteries and dreams that people have and so forth. God does not satisfy all of our curiosities. And the Bible is not comprehensive in that sense. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So what is revealed in scriptures for us and for our children, and it's comprehensive for us, that we may do what pleases the Lord. And that's ultimately what we're looking for, right? Scripture is not just to make us smarter. It's not just so that we can recite the doctrines or certain creeds or just so that we can spout off memory verses. It's so that we're transformed, so that we live in a way that pleases God. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17 It says that the word of God, the scriptures, all scripture, is breathed out by God and it equips us for every good work. It says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. You want to be equipped for every good work this this year, this upcoming year? You want to be competent? You want to be fully equipped for every good work? Then immerse yourself in God's word. Reason number two, the word of God is powerful to transform your soul, The word of God is powerful to transform your soul. Verse 7 again says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Reviving the soul. Your translation may say converting the soul or restoring the soul. I think the NIV says refreshing the soul. All of these are possibilities of what how could be translated. The ESV says reviving the point is that the Word of God does a powerful, life-giving, life-changing work in the soul. Deep within. It does something more than just putting up the outside. It does a deep work in our souls. First and foremost, it's through the Word of God that you and I are saved. Right? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, the author of Scripture, took the gospel of Jesus Christ when you heard it and drove it into your heart and gave you new life. It's through the Word of God that we're born again. And then as Christians, born again, the Spirit of truth takes the truth of God's Word and sanctifies us through and through. Jesus prayed in the high priestly prayer, John 17, Verse 17, he said, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. It's through the truth of God's word that we are sanctified, that we become more and more like Jesus. And again, I mentioned this earlier, but it's important to recognize or see that it's the inner person that is sanctified. Of course, there may be side benefits to your physical body, body, right? You'll make, maybe if the Scripture gets into you, you might make better decisions and treat yourself better and take care of yourself better and all of that, but the industrial strength power of the Word of God is aimed like a laser at the soul, totally transforming. It's the soul that's transformed. It's the inner person that's made more and more like our Lord. Paul says, I think it's in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, though our outer man is wasting away, our inner man is being renewed day after day. So do you want to experience personal revival in 2021? You want to? Then give yourself, immerse yourself in God's word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Listen, I'm more and more convinced that to be filled with the Spirit is so intertwined with being filled with the words of Christ. Colossians 3, 16 and 17 and Ephesians 5, I think it's verse 18 and 19. There's such overlap there. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's Ephesians 5. Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. When you are filled with the word of Christ, when it's dwelling in you richly, then you are full of the Spirit. And when you're full of the Spirit, It's because you are full of the words of Christ and is dwelling in you richly. Jesus said, The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And therefore, the psalmist, Psalm 119, teaches us to pray, Give me life, Lord, according to your word. The word of God is powerful to transform your soul. And so build your life on it. Reason number three, the word of God is totally reliable. Verse seven says, the testimony of the Lord is sure. God's word is sure. It's trustworthy. It's reliable. It's faithful. You can take it to the bank every day of the week, all the time. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not not like a son of man that he should change his mind. When he speaks, he intends to fulfill what he says. All of the Bible is totally trustworthy. Whether you're talking about the historical parts of it, or whether you're talking about the prophecies that have been fulfilled or are yet to be fulfilled, or whether you're talking about the wisdom principles or the New Testament doctrines, all of it is completely reliable. Peter. Peter was one of three of the disciples who ascended the, what's called the Mount of Transfiguration. You guys know what I'm talking about? Peter, James, and John, they were with Jesus when Jesus was changed before their eyes and he was shining brighter than the sun. That'd be a pretty amazing experience, wouldn't it? You wouldn't forget that, would you? <laughs> Ever? No, you would never forget that. Peter who was there, says something, said something fascinating and glorious about that as compared to Scripture. He says this, and we, he says, I was with him on the mount of transfiguration, and he, and he says, and we have the prophetic word or the Scriptures which are more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He says, I was with him there. That was an amazing experience. But we have something even more fully confirmed in the scriptures. The word of God is more fully confirmed in Peter's mind than the experience he had beholding the resplendent glory of Christ I think Charles Spurgeon helps us to understand how this could be when he said the following. He said, Longing as I do for a sure foundation, where shall I look? And don't we long for that? Don't we long for something sure to stand on? Longing as I do for a sure foundation, where shall I look? We have a more sure word of testimony a rock of truth upon which we rest, for our infallible standard resides here. It is written. That's where our standard is. God has spoken. It is written. The word of God is totally reliable, so let's build our lives on it. Reason number four, the word of God makes us wise. The word of God makes us wise. Verse 7 says the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It makes simple people wise. It gives wisdom for life. Wisdom is more than just obtaining biblical information, being able to retell the Bible stories and certain doctrines and so forth. Wisdom is knowing and applying the word of God to life. All of life. Every area of life. The word of God makes the simple person wise. Now the simple person, it's not just talking about a young person, of course that would, they'd be included, but it's talking about a simpleton or a gullible person or someone who's easily deceived or easily tricked or just the way Proverbs describes them as the foolish person. The word of God makes foolish people wise. Wise. The word simple actually means open minded. The Bible, the scriptures make open minded people wise. Now you might, maybe you've heard someone brag. I hope you've never have. There's a a good way of being open minded, right? But maybe you've heard someone brag about how open minded they are open to this and that and every spiritual idea and every new thing that comes at them. Christians need to learn how to be very close-minded in a certain way and open-minded in other ways. The Word of God makes the simple or open-minded person wise. Often our open-mindedness or someone's open-mindedness is the biggest problem they have because they never know what to close their mind and keep out and never know what to close their mind on in terms of truth. Christians need to know how to be closed-minded, of course, in the right sort of way, and open-minded in another way. We want to be teachable for learning something new. We want to be open-minded and have someone instruct us and teach us. We want to be open-minded when it comes to God's truth. We want to be corrected when we come to God's word if needed. But to be open-minded in everything, or especially in everything in the realm of spiritual things, is dangerous. Inevitably, will lead to disaster. At the very least, it will keep some people in a state of perpetual gullibility and immaturity. So how do we know what to keep out and what to let in? How do we know how to be open-minded in the right kind of way and closed-minded in another Well, Psalm chapter 1 is the manual for that. (laughs) Psalm chapter 1, listen to verses 1 and 2. How blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So that's how we're to be closed-minded, right? The blessed man is someone who does not listen to the counsel of the wicked, they're not standing in the way of sinners, right? They're not engaged in the way of sinners and they're not sitting around a table with a bunch of scoffers. But the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. That's what we're to be open-minded to. We want our minds to be open to all of God's truth and all of it from Genesis to Revelation. I think it was A.W. Tozer said, the whole Bible makes a whole Christian. And what is the fruit of this meditation we see in Psalm chapter one? The fruit of this meditation on God's truth is wisdom for life. Psalm 1.3 says, this man's like a tree that's planted with roots that are growing deeper and broader. This man is, he yields fruit, right? He's fruitful. His leaf does not wither. He's always growing. And he prospers in all that he does. The word of God makes you wise. So let's build our lives on it. Reason number five, the word of God fuels joy in God. I love this. Verse eight says, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Rejoicing the heart. The message of the Bible aims at your joy. Isn't that amazing? The message of the Bible aims at your greatest joy. The psalmist who wrote Psalm 119, something it was David. Others think it might have been Daniel, or anyways, doesn't matter. He said, "I rejoice at your word, like one who finds great spoil." Isn't that amazing? I love your word like someone who has come across great spoil and no one's around. It's all mine. Praise the Lord. Now, some might be thinking, that's not my experience. That's never been my experience when I come to the Bible. It's never been a great joy to me. It's a chore, and it's always been a chore. Well, seek God for this joy. Seek him for it. Ask him for it. If you're God's child, he wants his words to flood your heart with great joy. I also would add that you ought to be diligent in your study of God's word. Don't open the Bible one day and skim it for 10 minutes and say, it's not doing anything for me. I I remember John Piper said something like, raking will give you leaves. If you dig, you'll find diamonds. If you Approach the Bible like you're raking leaves, right? Just on the surface, just kind of making a pile of leaves. You're going to have leaves. That's what you're going to get. But if you give yourself to diligently searching and digging, you'll find treasure. You'll find diamonds. Great joy. Don't be content with raking on the surface in a superficial way. Dig and seek for treasure. Like the prophet Jeremiah did. Here's what he said. Your words were found. It seems to imply he was looking. He was searching. Right? Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. It can be that for you. And if you'd say, well, it, it kind of is. It ebbs and flows. Okay, we're all in that, that boat together, I think. But it can be that for us increasingly. Amen? Amen? God can change your heart. He can fill you with unimaginable, incomprehensible joy at his word. And so diligently seek This God, who is the fountain of joy, and seek Him, trusting the words of Jesus. I love this promise from Jesus. He said, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. Jesus said, The words I'm speaking, the words I give you, the words I speak to you, I speak them so that my joy may be in you. His words, when His words come, he wants them to come with joy. And when His joy's in us, then our joy will be full. And so God's Word fuels our joy in God. And so build your life upon His Word. Reason number six the Word of God helps us to see clearly. Verse 8 says The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The Bible helps us to see. It helps us to see God with the eyes of faith. It helps us to see ourselves. It helps us to see our need. It helps us to see the world for what it really is. It helps us to see through the darkness that is all around us in the world. The word of God helps us to see spiritual reality as it truly is. And we need help seeing. Of all the people who are on the face of the earth, Christians armed with the word of God ought to see the clearest. Not because we know everything. I mean, my goodness, we don't, there's so many things we don't know. But because we have God's revelation. Whose world is this? It's our Father's world. And he's given us his revelation. And so we ought to have our eyes wide open and see the clearest of everyone on the face of the earth. Some of the smartest people in terms of IQ are totally blind. Blind because they reject God's revelation. Stephen Hawking, I a mean, brilliant man. Absolutely brilliant. Totally blind as to what really matters. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Peter says the word of God is like a lamp shining in a dark place. J.C. Ryle, he was a bishop of the Church of England in the late 19th, early 20th centuries at a time when the Church of England was kind of moving away from their commitment to the scriptures and he loved the scriptures and he saw his church that he belonged to, losing their grip on it, and he said this, the Bible is the true lantern for a dark and cloudy time. Let us beware of traveling without its light. I guarantee, I, I no doubt, that there are certain things you would never leave your home without, right? Or if you did, you'd drive back home to get it. Let's not travel without God's word. We need its light. Letting the word of God get into us and shape us is like someone putting on glasses for the first time. Everything was fuzzy before. Everything was like, remember that old, that old big box TV? You guys ever tried to watch one of those recently? After having HD for 10 years? It's like, how did we watch this game? Oh my goodness, you can't see anything. Anything? It's like, it's like having one of those and then going to ultra high def. Putting on the spectacles of scripture helps us to see. Everything becomes clear. Spurgeon said, Whether the eye is dim with sorrow or with sin, the scripture is the skillful eye doctor and makes the eye clear and bright. The word of God helps us to see. And oh, how in this dark day we live in, we need to see. We need to see. We don't want to have our heads buried in the sand. We don't want to just be carried along by every wave and wind of doctrine, teaching, or every wave and wind of worldliness or whatever. We need to see. And so let's build our lives on God's word. Reason number seven, the word of God will never fade. Verse nine says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. We look for something, anything that will endure, right? Everything in this world is defiled by sin and therefore it's temporary and fading away. But the word of God or the word of the Lord endures forever. Our lives are fading away. Like grass, but God's word will never fade. It's so important we don't trust in ourselves to keep ourselves alive through healthy eating, through fitness programs and so forth. Our lives are a vapor. Our lives are vapors. We're here today, we're we're gone tomorrow. And is there anything we can hold on to? Yes, the word of God that endures The word of God not only endures, but it's relevant in every age. It's always green, always alive, always insightful for every new generation. We fade away, but God's word does not fade. Isaiah 40, verse 6 to 8 says, All flesh is like grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. You and I are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of, the, of, of our God stands forever. When everything else gives way, when everything seems so shaky and transient, the word of our God will stand. It will endure. The gospel will never fade. So let's build our lives on it. Reason number eight, we're getting there. Oh my goodness, we won't be here till three. Reason number eight, verse nine says, the rules of the Lord are true. Excuse me, reason number eight, the word of God is absolute truth. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. God's word is true. It sounds like a truism, doesn't it? It sounds like, well, duh, we know that. We're Christians, we go to church, right? God's word is true. But it's not just true like other things may be factually true. It is truth. It is the standard of truth. It's the standard of truth because it's God's divine truth. Remember what Jesus prayed. He said, sanctify them in the truth. And then he said this, your word is truth. Not your word is true, but your word is truth. And not just some of God's word, but all of it. Psalm 119, 160 says, The sum of your word is truth. We live in a world of lies, right? The God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, is called the father of lies. How do we combat the lies? How do we combat the deception all around us? There's only one way, and it's with the truth. With the truth of the Word of God. How do we combat the massive proliferation of false teaching? And there is a massive proliferation of it with the truth of God's Word. Someone wrote, what is the best safeguard against false doctrine? I answer in one word, the Bible. But then he went on to say this. The Bible regularly read, regularly prayed over, and regularly studied. Not sitting on the shelf somewhere. That's my safeguard over there. No, no, no. Right, your nose in it. Studying it, praying over it. Letting it get in you. Letting it dwell in your heart richly. The word of God is absolute truth, and so build your life on his truth. Reason number nine. The word of God is more valuable than great riches. The richest man, the richest woman in all the world is the one who possesses the word of God and truly understands what it is. Verse 10 says, more to be desired are they, the words of God, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. God's divine revelation in the scriptures enriches the soul to the highest degree. David says that the word of God is to be desired more than gold. And then he ups the ante and says, actually, more than much fine gold. In fact, in the original Hebrew, it goes like this. More to be desired are they than gold. Fine gold, even much fine gold. Think of how much time men and women spend seeking riches. Money, possessions, Many want to be rich and spend their entire lives seeking it, and once they get it, maintaining it, right? For those who understand what God's word is, what it truly is, what a treasure we have. It is truly a treasure. What riches we have. Take all the gold in the whole world, and it doesn't compare to the wealth we have in the word of God. Do we understand that? It's phenomenal. It's amazing. The word of the living God who spoke the galaxies into existence by his word. He's given us a book. And we can know him and walk with him. If you have God's word, you're the richest person on the planet. Cherish it. Dig into it. Seek it for its truth. Seek out the truth of it as though you were seeking for a hidden treasure because you are. Build your life on God's word. Reason number 10. The word of God is pleasant to the soul. Verse 10 goes on to say, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Yesterday I had this picture in my mind of you guys know the Jungle Book story? It's a, obviously, it's a book, but then there was a cartoon, and then a movie came out maybe like three or four years ago. And it made me, I, th- I thought of the, the bear, Baloo, is it Baloo, who sees the honeycombs way up on the cliff, and it's dripping down, and he just longs to get that honey, and so he coerces or manipulates Mo- Mowgli to climb up there and get it. And once he get it, he just devours that honey. Sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. It's meant to be a picture of what the word of God is to the soul. It is delicious. It is sweet. It is pleasant to the soul. Peter commands us to long for the spiritual, pure milk of the word of God like a baby longs for his mother's milk and then he says this right after he says if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good I find that fascinating he says long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in in respect to salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good have you tasted that the Lord is good have you tasted of the goodness of the Lord then long for the pleasant, sweet, delicious, nourishing word of God. It's how we grow up into Christ. It's how we're planted in Jesus. It's how we grow up in Jesus more and more. So, ten reasons to build your life on God's word. So what do we do with this? Well, I only have one application. Take up and read. Take up and read. Read. And I take that actually from a really fascinating story. You guys heard of St. Augustine. He was alive in the 4th century, early 5th century. He was a man who, he was a godless man, but he had a mother who prayed for him. And she labored in prayer for him. And one day, as the Lord was working on his heart, he overheard in the house nearby him Little children or a child, a boy or girl or a couple of children, singing a little song. And the song included the words, take up and read. Take up and read. And he felt like the Lord was telling him, go find a Bible and open it and read. And he did. And he read a verse out of Romans chapter 15 and it saved him. It saved him. Take up and read. If you say, well, I'm not a reader. You know what? The God of the universe, the God that you say is your father, he wrote a book to you. It's a lame excuse. I wasn't a reader for a long time either. God changed my heart. Take up and read. Devour the word of God. Build your life on God's word, not on your favorite commentator, cultural commentator, or your favorite political figure. Don't build your life on those things. You will be disappointed. Don't build your life even on other spiritual teachers. Build your life on God's Word. Know it for yourself. One reason, I think, why it doesn't explode in our hearts with joy is often because we're getting second-hand joy from somebody else who treasures God's word rather than ourselves. Take it up and read. Devour it. Meditate on it day and night. Be like that blessed man in Psalm 1 who meditates on the law of God day and night, he's like a tree planted by streams of water. He bears fruit in every season. He's always green, right? He's always growing. And in everything that he does, he prospers. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would drive this truth home, Lord. What a treasure we have in your word.